Democrats, 90s kids, and early otters. It's Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. I am Sam Bot. I am Rachel Bot. And we are a real-life couple with a little bit of an age difference. Each week on this podcast, we introduce each other to a topic that is near and dear to our hearts. And this week is no different. This and week's it, about robots. This week's about robots. <laughs> We're talking robos, people. Wow. I love that choice, Sam. Love that. I It just took over me. You know, I've just yeah. been very inspired by all of the automation that's been happening. I've been putting all of my trash into cubes. <laughs> I've been praying to be struck by lightning so that I can be alive. Aw, just like the movies we're going to talk about in just a moment. What are the topics this week, Sammy? Well, this week I'm talking about Wally, a movie about a little sad little trash robot who's fallen in love despite the fact that the earth is covered in garbage. <laughs> Rachel, what are you talking about? And I'm talking about a little movie called Short Circuit. Short Circuit is an 80s comedy film about a military robot who becomes a sweet, almost sentient being and explores the world making friends and silliness along the way, all while the evil military is on his tail. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Find out next week. <laughs> Sam and Rachel's generation. <laughs> you know, but Rachel, there was a time where we weren't so... Um, Hmm. illuminated to right. the information that is ahead of us. Yeah, there was almost a time where you could say that we were in, in the, the dark. dark. Oh my God. Can you please turn a light on? Whoa, it's dark in here or whatever. Or whatever. Or, it is dark in here. It is. Do you got a candle? Oh, here's a candle. Oh, a candle. Ka-ching. It is time for... In the dark. That's right. It's time for In the Dark, the segment where Rachel and Sam interview each other just to find out how much we know about this week's topics. Rachel, what do you know about the film Wally? Wally. Um, Wally. I actually have seen this somewhat recently, but you did introduce me to Wally. We watched Wally together at some point a few years ago. Um, so I have seen it. Um, so this one, I'm not totally in the dark for. Okay. Um, but I've only seen it once. I've always wanted to see it again. I know it's an animated movie. Okay. I know in the past I've been confused <laughs> about, you know, live action versus animation. So you think all the characters are animated? <laughs> yeah. Wait. Yes. Okay. Don't do this to me. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. Okay. It's a movie about. Yeah. Who is Wally? Wally is a robot who I think lives on Earth after like we've destroyed Earth. Okay. And I kind of feel like everyone else lives like on a spaceship and is really like indulgent. Mm-hmm. And. I feel like a Walmart type company like runs everything. Okay. That's what right. I remember. Uh, what does Wally stand for? Um, Walter E. Thompson. Okay. All right. And does Wally have any friends or anything? I think he befriends a boy. Mm-hmm. I think. What's There's the boy's some- name? 
Walter Walter e. and Wally Thompson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um yeah, you said he's hanging out on Earth. You think it's after humanity has been destroyed or something? Yeah, like climate change has like Uh who ravaged- made the movie? Pixar? Yeah. Yeah. Um are there any famous songs, lines or moments from this movie? Ugh, probably. <laughs> Surely probably. Uh, well, My Heart Will Go On mm-hmm. is a famous song yeah. from Wally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, by Bette Midler. Yeah. Um, and it takes place at Degrassi High School. Okay, all right. Enough with Degrassi. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I guess you you would ask me, but I am. I don't know when it came out either. Like, I have no idea. You have no idea when Wally came out. Yeah, like it could be. Well, I guess if it's Pixar, I'm like, I don't know. It could be like 2008. Mm-hmm. Would be a guess, maybe, mm-hmm. um, but I've no idea. It could also be ten years earlier, ten years later. <laughs> okay, all right, Sam. Yes. What do you know about Short Circuit? Okay, I have seen Short Circuit at some point, <laughs> um, but I think there's another film from that time period that has a similar idea. Mm. And I can't remember what that one's And what's called. the idea? The idea is that they're little robots. They're little robots and they're helping. I think it's old people. Here's the problem. <laughs> is I feel like uh, Short Circuit was on the same VHS tape that my dad had like taped Cocoon on. <laughs> so I feel like I associate Cocoon and Short Circuit, which I know they're very different. But I, in my head, it's these little robots that they're like, they're like in the kitchen. They're like floating around. They're like, and they help old people. <laughs> the funny thing is, I know, I know you so well. Yeah. I know what movie you're mixing I'm up. I'm mixing it up with mo- Batteries Not Included. <laughs> Damn it, you figured That's it out. That's the other movie. <laughs> and I, but I, I am going to stand with my guns here. I think that they are the same movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And is there anyone famous in the movie? Uh, what's that? Uh, Wilford Brimley <laughs> and diabetes, diabetes. And, um, the guy from those old angry old men movies, Angry old men. Wait, what are those called? Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yes. Grumpy old men. Grumpy old men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's why you're thinking uh, Wilford Grimley. Grim- is he like. also in that? No. No. But I feel like you're thinking of like. Cocoon. Walter Matthau maybe. Or... I thought he was a news anchor. Walter Matthau. <laughs> We need a Jen ahead of Denise? you. Denise? We need oh, Denise. No, she can't come to In no, the Dark. No, Walter Matthau. He's an actor. Who am I thinking of? Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, Walt Wilford Brimley's in Short Circuit. And what is, like, the genre of the movie? I would say, like, Steven Spielberg family, mm. kind of, like, action comedy. Oh, fun. Light on the action, but, um, yeah, kind of like an E.T. Okay feel and lastly when do you think it came out 1990 i think it's 1990 cool that's my best guess 
Awesome. I'm excited to rewatch this film as well, just because it's been a long time for me. Yeah. Um, but you just got a lot of guesses, and I'm excited to see what you got right yeah. and what you got wrong. I've got one more I'm excited for, for the old people. One oh, yeah. more question. Sorry. How long <laughs> do you think it takes before the first line of dialogue happens in the movie, Wally? Oh, well, I think. Like, I'm going to say 35 minutes. Wow, that's a big guess. All right. How many minutes do you think it is before the first line of dialogue in short circuit? <laughs> um, I'm going to say 90 seconds. All right. Yeah. Well, we shall find out in the future. Back, Back to, to you, you future, future Sam and Rachel. Rachel. Okay. <laughs> that was... Amazing! Wow, I just don't know anything, do well, I? You, well, I think in particularly you don't really know about old people. No, I definitely thought Walter Walter Matthau was Walter Cronkite, right? Yeah, who's the news anchor who says, "And that's the way it is." <laughs> you also think that Wilford Brimley and all the grumpy old men were in Short Circuit, but we watched it. Did the, you see any of them? They were not there. I. All right, so in retrospect, I had not seen Short Circuit. <laughs> oh, so this was the first time. No, you it was saw definitely it. the first time. Oh, that's fine. I think I've seen Batteries Not Included, though. I think and so. Until I see that again, I'm going to stand by that they're the same film. Yeah, I was going to say there's no way to know if they're not. Right. Uh, unless if, I'm watching them side by side. Unless we watch them. Yeah. 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 So. Maybe tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this this podcast is just going to become a series of correction episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also, you said 1990. Yeah, for Short Circuit, uh, it's 86. Oh, okay. I actually feel like we're probably going to start with Short Circuit today, right? Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. All but right. I do want to point out that um, Fred Willard was in Wally and was not animated. Oh. Fuck you. I was I, I was honestly just like kind of playing the in the dark game of like how much what can I get you to That's say? True. Um, but then it kind of turns out that Fred Willard was just in it as live action. That's it's so actually the true. first time Pixar has ever mixed live action really? and animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like you know what's funny? It didn't even cross my mind when that was happening in the movie. I know that that's strange, and I think that because is it's like a video. It's a video. Well, anyway, we'll talk about it. All right, it. all right, yeah. all right. All right. So, Short Circuit. Yeah. 1986. Uh, it's a, I, I'm calling it a science fiction action comedy film because it's kind of got a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd talk plot real quick first for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, I do recommend you watch it. It's pretty fun. Uh, but it's about a military robot called Number Five, who was built to be a weapon of war, but gets struck by lightning, and somehow this short-circuits him, giving him human-like desires for and, and, and tendencies, and, and desiring like freedom and knowledge and friendship. And he escapes the military facility and basically goes on an adventure meeting. Uh, so far, this is the plot to Frankenstein. I just want to <laughs> let you know. Struck by lightning... <laughs> creator loses mm. track of him he's a menace to society and he's on the loose maybe they're the same movie have we watched them side by side we gotta watch frankenstein <laughs> <laughs> so along the way he meets this character stephanie who's played by ali sheedy mm -hmm. who lives amongst what like, else has ali sheedy been in the breakfast club is what okay. she's like that, known for that's yeah what it is. yeah 
Uh, she like lives among a billion animals cause she like loves all living things and wishes no one harm. So of course, when like this robot walks into her life, well, first of all, she doesn't know he's a robot, which is kind of strange. She assumes he's an alien, which right, is that's right. basically the same thing at that point. Right? right. Like he's such a high tech robot. Like <laughs> the confusion that he's an alien and then she's like wait you're a machine <laughs> yeah it's like well what's the difference here he's incredible well you know what yeah I mean? well because she doesn't know that he's incredible yet she thinks he's you know right. she she loves life forms yeah right? i hear you i hear you but and she- he likes to go stephanie <laughs> and then there's like chief scientists so the chief scientists who created number five are Newton Crosby, who's played by Steve Gutenberg, also known as the Goot, uh, and Ben Jabatuya, played by Fisher Stevens. And although they work for the bad guys, we kind of realize that they're supposed to be kind of the good guys who, it kind of takes them a bit. But once they realize that number five is indeed alive, they end up teaming up with Stephanie to kind of save number five, from the military police who are hunting him down to kill him. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. And this is my first time watching anything Steve Gutenberg. The Goot. Um, in fact, the only way I know who Steve Gutenberg is, is there's an episode of The Simpsons where um, there's like a secret uh, society, like the Masons or whatever, that Homer's invited into uh, called the Stonecutters Club or Stonecutters Society. I forget. But in the song that they sing, we do, they say, we make Steve Gutenberg a star. Oh, interesting. And um, so that's how I knew of Steve Gutenberg before this moment. Well, here's here's something that you probably didn't know that you knew. Oh. He's in Cocoon. Oh, my God. And you were mixing up Cocoon. So, like, oh there's got to be something in your brain. Yes, you're right. So, yeah, like, the Goot is known. I actually had to Google this, too, because I was like, how do we know Steve Gutenberg? But he's in, well, so he's in all the Police Academy movies, which right. come up on this podcast all the time. We need to do that. Never seen him. He's in, like, Three Men and a Baby and those movies. Mm-hmm. So, I don't there's know. more than one yeah there's one called three men and a little lady which is when like the baby grows up okay yeah but like needless to say big 80s actor Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so one of those also throughout the movie number five kind of he has these catchphrases and one of them is like the way that he says that he doesn't want to die is he says no disassemble because he finds out that like disassemble means die mm-hmm. anyway all right so i kept the research this week pretty light mm-hmm. last week we did some heavy stuff it was a with heavy topic yeah. and degrassi and it almost broke us yeah and yeah about, not us apart but just as humans yeah absolutely <laughs> my love for researching really took its toll but now we're just talking about robots that have found life. Yeah, and you and know? like this is a fun week. Like yeah. the the intersection between these two movies is so obvious. Like there's it's going <laughs> to be We'll s- talk about it. I don't know. Oh, you don't know? <laughs> well, anyway. So I have very little like history today, but um I have a couple quick facts and history about the the movie. The first one we noticed immediately and you got to say it. 
how is this another movie in Astoria, Oregon? Oh my what gosh. What is the deal? Why are so many 80s movies in Astoria, Oregon? Hey, you know what? Whatever was going on in the 80s, Astoria <laughs> was like, we'll do it cheaper here. <laughs> it's like, so then I, I think it's like, right? The movies are like, we're in California. I don't want to go that far away. <laughs> I I just okay I did a really quick like Wikipedia like films shot in Astoria not even films set in Astoria because that's like gonna be more right but on this list is Free Willy which we watched on this podcast The Goonies which which is my favorite movie of all time Kindergarten Cop which we've got to do yeah and Short Circuit so it's just like so funny how this keeps happening right I've been to Astoria yeah it's fine. So have I. It's fine. I like it. It's good. It's cute. But four movies in the span of 10 years? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know about that. Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> what is it about? I do think it must be tax incentives. Well, everything comes down to tax incentives, but it's got to be more than that. There's something about like the look of like like sweet old American pie. Yeah. You know, there's something. Oregon is still a little untamed for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And and Astoria is, for anyone who hasn't visited, it is right on the water. So there's a lot of those scenes that are like right on the water. Yeah. Um, Important for a whale movie. Right. Yeah. Or in the Goonies, like when they're like all those shots on the beach and mm-hmm. stuff. Anyway. All right. More fun facts in history. So the main military police guy. So in the movie, there's like... Because number five was created by this military complex creating weapons, they, they're like, when he escapes, they don't know he's like sentient or whatever. He's not sentient, but whatever he is, there's like all these like military police running after him, chasing him down. And of course, at the head of the pack is G.W. Bailey, that actor who plays the exact same unhinged militaristic bad guy character in every movie, including Mannequin, which we covered a few episodes ago. I know. When I saw that guy, literally, uh, he was just, in Mannequin, he was a mall cop, (laughs) but took his job very seriously and was a doofus, right? And in this, he's like head of the military and it's the same vibe. But he's not head of the military. He's always like head of, like he's always lower status than he wants, I feel right, like. Right, right. He, yeah, he still answers to somebody. But, yeah, and yeah. he's like takes his job really seriously. And even when people are like, don't hurt the thing that you're chasing, he's like, I'll do any means necessary. Yeah, well, that's you like, know? yeah, to me that means he's like the head of his department and he's like, our department's going to handle this, not yours. Right, you know? right, totally. So that was just kind of a fun uh, crossover. Also, every time he appears on screen, this like these like military drums play. Like he has his own background music. It's just like dun 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 dun, dun you know. All right. Uh, as always, I like to mention the music because the eighties. You know, you gotta have that synthesizer. The the chart hit. From this movie was this song that was created for the movie. It's called Who's Johnny? And it's by Elda Barge. And it goes a little something like this. It's a lost art, the made for the movie song. Yeah, right? Well, no, I guess they still do that now. I mean, didn't Adele just make one for, like, 
Well, I guess this was like 10 years ago already, but I, I feel like it still happens. Were you going to say you did the James Bond? Yes, I was. Yeah, that was a long time ago. I know. And James Bond has like its whole thing with songs. And yeah, it happens for like kids' movies now, but it feels like it used to be in a lot more movies. Um, I love also, that song. It's a, it's a banger. Uh, <laughs> Who's Johnny? She said, it's mine in a subtle way. Yeah, that, is, that just rolls off my millennial <laughs> back. I can't hook on to that what? at all i can't it's but, so good um what really blows my mind about that is you told me that that's the song they're listening to when at the very end of the movie the robot says his name is johnny he's like i need a name or you need a name mm-hmm. and they're like what name should it be and yeah that i think it's they play the song on the radio and then he's like i'm johnny five right so it's just like this song was made for this movie <laughs> and then within that movie, the character needs a name and bases it off the song. And it's just like a weird, <laughs> a weird kind of hand drawing itself for I me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Ooh, Johnny. But yeah, it comes up a bunch. Like when he's it, it reminds me actually of Mannequin when when um, the mannequin woman hears music for the first time and is like, music, what? and like is dancing it's like kind of like that like the song comes on and he's in stephanie's house and i don't know it's it's look it's short circuit i don't know what you want from me a lot of robots dancing yeah so short circuit debuted number one in the box office in the united states uh grossed <laughs> I don't know. I don't want you to think it's like in the world. Well, I think that's fine, but also the way you said United States. You and I, United <laughs> States. Uh grossed a domestic total of 40.7 million, performing slightly better than other hits from that same year, which include Pretty in Pink, mm. The Three Amigos. And Little Shop of Horrors, mm. which you love that movie. I do love that movie. We've mentioned Little Shop of Horrors, I think, on this podcast before as well, because we were always doing movies that take that were 1986. Like that was like a really big year, and apparently it was the top home video rental of '87. Uh, for those at home who don't know what video home rentals are. <laughs> Uh, it, this was before you could stream anything you wanted, and you had to go to Blockbuster to pick it up. Now. Short Circuit 2 came out later, and it was not as big of a success, but that's where you hear more of the name Johnny Five, Mm. and I guess Sam said that, like, when I was quoting the movie, I kept saying, like, before we watched it, I kept saying, Johnny Five Alive, and then in the movie, he's not called Johnny Five until literally the last second of the movie, (laughs) and so my thought is, maybe I was quoting short circuit too because mm. i do think that that's what they call him in the second movie mm. this so anyway the other fun fact or not so fun is uh there are some majorly problematic things uh that happen in this movie but i'm gonna get into them so i want to wait on that for one moment real quick i wanted to chat about some of the actors in the movie so we already kind of <laughs> we already uh covered cw bailey the mannequin gen gap crossover his character's name was scroder oh right and it's funny because i read this article that was saying like all the problematic things from this movie and some of them i agree with but they were saying that his name shouldn't be scroder because it's too similar to scrotum and that's inappropriate for a kid's movie and i was like 
I think that's funny. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the actor that plays the like evil military science guy, whose name is like Howard, which is like what kind of evil <laughs> science guy's name is Howard? But he's from My Cousin Vinny, and I love that movie. He plays like, do you remember who he is in My Cousin Vinny? He plays the lawyer that's um, assigned to the boys before my mm. cousin Vinny, mm. co- their cousin Vinny, like hi, uh, represents them. Yeah. Also in this movie, as we said, was Gutenberg. And I would call it the youngest Gutenberg you've ever seen. Just clean faced. Apparently his character was supposed to be more like a Dustin Hoffman in the graduate type of character. Like someone who relates better to the robots and the creatures that he's created than humans, like socially. Mm. But Gutenberg is like a pretty like sociable, like funny actor. So that didn't really play. I don't know. And obviously C.W. Bailey and Steve Gutenberg had previously worked together because they were in all the police Academy movies. Oh, I see. Yeah. All right. The Indian actor. Oh yeah. Okay. Very problematic character. Now, before I did any research on this movie, while we were watching the movie, we were like, this is problematic. Yeah. He's doing clearly a fake Indian accent. Um, I I was literally like, is he supposed to be a robot? Like, he talks like he's brand new to the world. Yeah. He acts like he's never seen a woman before. Oh, my God. When he meets Stephanie, he says, are you a woman? There's so many jokes where it's like, oh, because he's foreign. And then, like, it's like, I don't. I think that they have that in other countries, you know, like women, women, women exist. It's so weird. And then like, I do like the part where it's like, Oh, it's, he's from Pittsburgh or his family's from Pittsburgh or whatever. But it makes no sense. But it doesn't make any sense because he's like somehow more cartoony than Apu. You know what I mean? Like it is really strange. And, and he misuses phrases like he's still learning English. Yeah. So now we're going to get to the section of today that I'm calling the racist elephant in the room. Yeah. So the Indian character was actually played by a white actor in brown face. No. Hold on. Sorry. I have to look this up now. Well, I can tell you all about it. And honestly, when we were watching, I was already thinking this is so, you know, problematic, which happened a lot in the in. I mean, you know, we live in more progressive times, which we talk about a lot on the podcast. But I was thinking it was so problematic that they forced an Indian actor (laughs) to put on this Indian accent where he misuses phrases and he doesn't know English and, 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 you know, yeah, but it's way worse than that. And I found out. Wow. Talking to Jake and Liz Hull the other day, I was like, oh yeah, we're doing short circuit on the podcast. And they were like, well, are you going to talk about the brown face? And I was like, oh no, what? (laughs) No. I was suddenly like, fuck. (laughs) It's terrible. So yeah, white actor named Fisher Stevens. Plenty has been said about it. And if you want to like look into it, read about it on the internet, there is a great article about it from 2015 by Aziz Ansari. So he actually interviews the white actor, um, Fisher Stevens, who played the character and they meet up in person and they talk about it. Apparently, the actor Fisher Stevens said he was hired to play a different character, a white character. And after being cast, they changed the script and they changed the character. And they asked him, 
would you play an Indian man? And he was 21 and a new actor in Hollywood yeah, and he needed yeah, the job. Yeah, and he yeah. was like, sure, you know. Yeah, it's different times, you know, like cast stones. But well, wowza, wowza. Luckily, he has regrets about it and knows that that was very wrong. Um, you know, the accent was terrible. Like, it just, I don't know. Aziz Ansari says that, like, to Fisher Stevens credit, like, he tried his best to, like, immerse himself in Indian culture. Like, he lived in India for a month before shooting <laughs> Short Circuit what? 2 because oh, he's, like, okay. a lead in Short Circuit 2. Oh, okay. And he started, like, reading all these Indian books and doing yoga and, like, studying the um, accent and, like, mm. all this stuff. But anyway, it is racist, period. We have to mention this on the podcast. Oh, it is unfortunate gosh. because... I really was enjoying this movie, <laughs> but Hey, that's the eighties and you're going to run into that. Yeah. Uh, and not to get political, but I don't think these movies should be replaced, you know, erased from the libraries. I think that we should learn from our mistakes yeah. and learn from our history rather than ban this movie or ban books sure. or whatever. And if else. it's like a total deal breaker where you're like, I don't want to watch a movie like that. Like, Totally, Do not watch it. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, Absolutely. Uh, this mo- movie's going to have some of those moments. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Now, w- you know, uh, going back to just like, so that's kind of like all the like fun facts I have about it. You know, the fun rest. Fun facts. Not fun. Not fun. <laughs> just history and facts. Uh, so like what I remembered before we watched it was just like not much. I had seen this 35 years ago. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I remember watching it with my brother. I remember quoting it with my brother. Mm-hmm. I knew it was about a robot who befriended humans. Mm-hmm. And I remember number five alive and need input. And for whatever reason, Ben and I, my brother and I, would always quote this one line where he says, Hey, laser lips, your mama was a snowblower. Uh, which is like an insult he says to another robot. Mm-hmm. You know. That was that was something that we quoted. I feel like that's uh, really skirting the line of a, sexism of a your mama joke <laughs> there. Know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, like I'm. I want to get into thoughts watching now. Yeah, it was wild. Um, it's so funny to me that he's struck by lightning and that causes him to be alive. That is funny. <laughs> um, I loved the idea of the caretaker character that's, you know, has all the animals and now she's going to care for this robot. Yeah. Um, I, and I always love uh, one of the things that really stood out to me is like, this is a movie about a robot that befriends uh, a family. It's like a kid's movie. And I'm like, great. And it's like, he's a murder robot. Right. Like he is like a he weapon has of like war. a weapon on him. Yeah. Uh, many times like in the movie they're like, "Oh no, I hope he like kind of like finds a life and settles down." And I'm like, "That is a military grade weapon that is just on the loose. That does need to be dealt with." Like if I was in Astoria, Oregon in 1986, I would be on the side of GW Bailey. <laughs> And like, be like, you got to take out that robot. <laughs> well, and you know, I will talk about Wally in a second, but similarly, there's robots in that movie that like Eve, who has like a major laser beam and then just like makes huge explosions. They have pretty much the same weapon attached to them. Weirdly. Well, <laughs> uh, Johnny fives just has a laser beam. 
and the laser beam touches something and then that thing explodes, <laughs> which is a very 80s uh, visual he effect. Of, he had a lot of um, a lot of like features. He could also like, yeah, cut holes in things. Yeah, with the laser. Yeah, but so could Wally. Like they're yeah. very similar. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, but not that similar. Some other things I was thinking about watching this was like, well, first of all, when we were watching it, I was saying this feels Spielberg esque. Yes. Like, yes. is this a Spielberg movie? It is not. But like, we were like, this is this feels. I, I literally wrote down, this is Goonies inspired. It looks like the exact same town. <laughs> of course, that was before we realized it was the exact same town. Yeah. Also, there's like the swashbuckling music when the robot is fighting and that exact, you know, that feels very Goonies, very Spielberg. I think it's interesting how, and I thought about this watching both movies, how, and this is the dumbest thing for me to say, but this is my observation, how technology used to be about mechanics, (laughs) like robotics, mechanics, and now it's all about computers like just the fact that that robot that looks like it's made of like car parts and like and 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 watch like like tank treads yes and like watch widgets and gears that was quote high tech you know but now it looks the same as like a watchmaker like assembling a watch and watches have been around for a very long time you know but yeah, it's almost like steampunk or something where it's like these technologies like don't make sense together. Like yeah. if you had that much technology, you wouldn't design something that looks but like But again, this. you see that in Wally where like the old version of the robot Wally is mm. very similar, right? He's very much like got you know, motorized wheels mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then the newer generation is more like hovercrafts and mm-hmm. smooth. And it's more like an Apple computer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some other thoughts watching it now was just like that. I felt like the special effects were really like simple and cute and effective. It, and we were watching it thinking like, this seems more like puppetry than like mechanics and technology. Oh, the robot. Yeah. If it was done today, that robot would be like all CGI. Yeah. And I'm positive that in the 80s, they built a robot and that robot was a huge like actor in the movie, you know? it w- Well, so I it, I it was run by a puppeteer. Yeah. Says Wikipedia. Uh, most of the arm movements of number five were controlled by a telemetry suit that was carried on the puppeteer's torso. So each joint in the suit had a sensor and allowing the puppeteer's arm and hand movements to be transferred directly to the machine. Wow. Which is pretty cool. I mean, that is that this like level of technology against like, if you just picture someone in like a green bodysuit with yep. a bunch of ping pong balls. Yeah. Right. That's like, what I was thinking of yeah. Andy Circus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 1986. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Another thing that we mentioned is that, like, the robot kind of has an E.T. Again, this is Spielberg. It has, like, an E.T.-esque body and face, as do – there's a lot of, like, cinematic references. I actually – I should have looked this up. I need to look it up. Like, well, first of all, Ali Sheedy thinks he's an alien. Mm -hmm. It looks like E.T. There's the, like, lighting and smoke when she first meets him. It's very, like, E.T.-inspired, it seems. As always, I love that there's swear words in kids' movies in the 80s. (laughs) And overall, just a cuter movie than I had remembered it being. 
um, I think it's really interesting how they can make a mechanical puppet seem so lifelike yeah, and or, emotive. Yeah, sympathetic. Sympathetic. And, yeah, yeah. Like, the eyebrows, which were just like metal yeah, pieces. Yeah, he the little like flaps. Uh, yeah, he was able to express so much with those little flaps. Also, so cute. Oh my God. Oh, and there's this part with all of a sudden we noticed it was Oregon because we noticed, oh my God, that's the that's the spot that we always go to on the Columbia Historical Highway. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, like, we noticed the Columbia Gorge from yeah, anything. We were yeah. like, wait a minute. Also, got, there's such a cute meet cute with like, so number five gets run off a bridge and then parachutes onto Ali Sheedy's truck mm-hmm. that she's driving. I don't know. It's just, it's there's some cute little things in there. There's a lot of movie tropes, right? There's fish out of water. It's interesting that a robot is the main character, mm-hmm. not like a sidekick. Right. And that goes for both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the fish out of water like enacts in real life what they learned on TV. That happens a lot in these movies. Yeah. Like the Three Stooges. He watches yeah. the Three Stooges and then he like programs robots to act like Three Stooges. It reminds me of like Splash when like she watches yeah. TV. Mm. She's a literal fish out of water. <laughs> and then she like learn, you know, reenacts what she does on TV. Bad guys always drive sports cars in these movies. If you would drive, by the way, if you're listening to this and you drive a sports car, you just might be a bad guy. Yeah, you're a bad guy. And of course, there is a quote from this movie. Life is not a malfunction. And if that's not beautiful, <laughs> I don't know what is. Wow. Wow. That's that's what I got for you. That's good. That's good short circuit. And then we can talk more about the intersection of the movies after we get into Wally. It's actually a pretty good Wally, Rachel. Thank you. Uh, yeah, let's talk about it. So, Wally is a 2008 Pixar film about a robot that is left to clean up the earth after humanity has trashed it. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is directed and co written by Andrew Stanton, who is also a writer on Toy Story, A Bug's Life, and the writer and director of Finding Nemo. So, mm. guys got Pixar pedigree. Yeah. It won an Oscar for the Best Animated Movie and was nominated for five other awards, making it the most nominations for any animated film. Really? Yeah, tied with Beauty and the Beast. Uh, No, I know it is at the time. I'm not sure. I think since then there's been a couple. But I get it. It is such a good movie. It's so great. Okay. Yeah. it It does so much with so little. I think that's... One of the things that really blows me away about Wally, um, the, there's a cast that is credited to eight people, and I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, most of those people are side characters who don't even appear until like the last like forty percent of the movie, <laughs> and the two leads are robots. Okay, that were voiced by a sound designer Ben Burt and a Pixar employee Alyssa Knight. She's just employee. She's doesn't an employee. A, She's not like a have, voice actor. She doesn't have like a job title. <laughs> <laughs> She's I mean, like, she, I push pencils. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, you, you sound like a robot. And of course, there would be no sci-fi movie complete without a cameo voiceover from Sigourney Weaver. Right. It's wild to me that the first lines of dialogue, of true like character to character dialogue, 
don't happen until at least 20 minutes into this movie, which was one of the questions I asked you. And even when those happen, they're like single word exchanges. It's like Eve, Wally, directive. Most of it is silent. I mean, it's it's so cool how it does that. Yeah. And I love like Eve being like directive, like need input anyone. Right. Well, I don't know if we meant just for anyone who hasn't seen like in in short circuit because he's been electrocuted. Number five, he needs to like refill his brain (laughs) with like information. And so he keeps saying need input and he like reads the dictionary and then all of a sudden he has all the knowledge. But yeah, going to like how this movie is like essentially a silent film. Um, mm-hmm. Pixar uh, wanted to explore the possibilities of pure visual storytelling. So Andrew Stanton and the Pixar team, uh, every day they watched every single Charlie Chaplin and Buster oh Keaton God. movie, uh, both the short films and the features each day uh, during lunch for 18 months. Which notoriously Sam tries to get me to watch all the time. Sam loves silent films. Mm-hmm. And I feel like early on when we were dating – like you were like, let's watch this like Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin or something, and I like immediately fell asleep. I'm more of a Buster Keaton guy, but I do like Charlie Chaplin mm-hmm. too. Um, but yeah, I and it really shows there. I, Wally, uh, the character, has an affinity for uh, uh, Hello Dolly and musical theater, um, which I think is really sweet. But uh, yeah, it's funny because he's kind of like in a silent film and the like kind of like play of like silent film versus musical and like being a robot and being alive. What I also love about Wally is like, there's no, uh, and I understand these are just different movies, but there's no like, is Wally alive? You know, there's no question in Wally, if the robots are alive, similar to Toy Story, where it's just like the toys are alive or like the bugs are alive, you know, right. uh, in Pixar, they just do such a good job of like, this is the world and you, you welcome in. Like you never like are questioning, like, wait a minute, like, can he like, that's feel? true. Like, However, like there is something different about Wally because he does have he doesn't follow orders in the same way that other robots do. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, there's this interesting thing, right? For those of you who don't know, wall E stands for waste allocation load lifter earth class. (laughs) Oh, Um, how about that? So he does his job, right? He makes all the trash in the little trash cubes and makes these beautiful skyscrapers of trash cubes. But Wally is also like, while he's doing that, he's like collecting little knickknacks, you know? <laughs> right. Like, uh, one of my favorite things is, you know, he's got his collection of forks, he's got his collection of spoons, and he's got a spork, and he's just like trying to decide where it goes. And he's just, like, which side does it go? Uh, this side, this side. <laughs> lays it down in the middle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so clearly Wally's like doing some things for him. Right. And it's unclear. Uh, if that's unusual or not, hmm. because when he does get zapped by uh, the big bad robot at the end and uh, comes back uh, and is repaired, he is like kind of in like full automation mode for a little bit until 
Eve holds his hand and yeah. his like inner self awakens again. So yeah. um, it's a little bit of a gray area, but Pixar does a good job of like, you're not asking those questions. You, yeah. you, you're just rolling with it. I thought that he was kind of like the little mermaid, how he collected all his like his he's like, look at this spork. Isn't it cool? <laughs> and, and like bubble wrap and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And of course, one of the things he collects is a plant. Which is the big uh, thing. That's why uh, his girlfriend Eve is dropped on the planet, uh, is to search for signs of plant life. Um, and, you know, that kind of kickstarts the kind of like second half of the movie is them going into space. Uh, and we get to meet the whole like ship, the axiom, the axiom, which um, in, uh, in math, is like a, a word that means like something you just like take for granted, you know, like two plus two equals four. It would be like an axiom maybe. Mm. And so like kind of an interesting name for the ship. Well, what is this Walter Matthau in front of me? Really reading me the news here. <laughs> That's the way it is. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so, and then they get on to the ship. We get to, we're introduced to the humans who at this point are all atrophied and gluttonous from uh, being, you know, uh, provided by the by and large corporation and their hover chairs and their breakfast shakes. Um, just a really fun world to explore and a bunch of robots and stuff. And there's probably too, too many chase scenes, uh, in this movie, but a lot of fun, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still just blown away with, uh, how, little dialogue needs to be used to tell yeah, the story. It's incredible. I mean, what, what, so much of it is just music and sound effects. Yeah. Sound effects and music do so much storytelling yeah. in addition to obviously like the animation of yeah. the characters. And I mean, I think that's probably why they cast a sound designer as the lead mm. in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Brett Burt is a sound designer who is known for uh, sound designs on such movies as Star Trek. Heard of it. E.T. What? The Dark Crystal. Hmm. And um, a little movie called Star Wars. Now, oh, so Star Wars and Star Trek, those are two different movies? Those are. And I don't know if you know <laughs> this, but a Star TV Wars is <laughs> kind of famous for its sound. <laughs> um, also, uh, I read a little fun fact can't confirm this or not, but people do credit him with coming up with the Chewbacca voice. Whoa, that's pretty epic. Wally and Chewbacca are the same confirmed. <laughs> Wally. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it, folks. This isn't the racist elephant in the room. This is the plagiarism elephant in the room. All right? Wally was designed to resemble a Mars rover, a pair of binoculars, and of course, the famous movie robot, say it with me, Rachel, <gasps> R2-D2. Oh. Yep. <laughs> what? R2-D2? Yep. In fact, uh, Andrew Stanton, the writer and director, had to be told that Wally's design was very close to Johnny Five from Short Circuit. Oh. I thought you said it wasn't Short Circuit. It wasn't based on that. Oh. They came to it independently. Was it parallel oh, thinking? It. Subconscious plagiarism? Right. Who knows? Um, but the, the person who had designed it, like somebody's like, 
this looks a lot like Johnny Five. That's so <laughs> funny. And I just love that for our podcast because we chose these movies, but like we hadn't seen them in so long. And then when we were watching them. We're like, they look really similar. Uh, when I like, was looking at them, I'm like, you know, because I didn't really know what Johnny Five looked like. I was like, that's Wally. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> it looks just like a big old Wally, you know? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how Wally. Came out in 2008. Rachel nailed it. Oh, really? Yep. Thank you. Right on the dot. Um, and I feel like this movie is very 2008. Okay. Um, in fact, it's so 2008 that in this 2008 dystopian future, Earth is trashed and corporations have taken over. Okay. Mm-hmm. So far, sounding right. And those corporations have kept humanity alive by catering to their every need. Nice try, Obama. Um, yeah, was, it's just funny because, like, in so many ways, I'm like, oh, yeah, totally, like, humanity. But, like, now I feel like the story of, like, humanity had it all and they, like, they don't even work for it anymore. I'm like, that's not the story of the dystopia we live in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I do love, like, the by and large corporation and like all the advertisements and all that. I think that's great. Uh, and the way like humanity has atrophied and you know, I'm a sucker for an environmental cautionary tale, Rachel, one of my favorite sub genres. Yeah. Uh, but now that we live in a dystopia, I would kill for one of those hover chairs. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We do. Yeah. That's the thing is so many of these movies have just, they're just coming true. So, quickly around us these things where we were like well that's a dystopian future now we're like that's kind of the present like <laughs> that's not that future-y yeah. that it's scary like with yours it's like that's not how technology panned out and for our, uh, my movies it's like that's not how the end of the world panned out <laughs> yeah first we all got covid well no first we started destroying the planet i oh, mean yeah been working on it for a while yeah Okay, well, this is my personal take here. Wally is my favorite Pixar movie aside from the Toy Story franchise. Wait, hold on. We have to say that le- when we were watching the movie, you said, and I think I quote, you said, oh, I love this movie. This is my fourth favorite Pixar movie. I. I mean, I'll say it. And I'm like, all right, well, that doesn't sound that high of a ranking to me. <laughs> I think I think you misjudge how incredible Toy Story. Toy Story is one of the top ten movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, because the first three spots are Toy Story 1, one two, 2, and 3. three. <laughs> I think in that order. <laughs> 2, 1, 3? I don't know. Um, but uh, it's my favorite aside from the Toy Story franchise. Minus four. Blah. But I knew that it was one of my favorites the second I saw it in theaters. And that is right. In 2008, Sam, as a soon-to-be senior in high school, saw this children's film in a theater. Hmm. And I loved it. 2008, let's see. I was 29. Mm -hmm. I went to Asia. I traveled Asia for two months. Mm. Uh, Had a corporate day job. You know, similar stuff. It doesn't sound as good as my life. Yeah. Now, it wouldn't be, be long. What, being in high school? <laughs> <laughs> I rocked high school. I did great. Um, 
But it wouldn't be long before my love of silent movies would develop, as Rachel pointed out already. Um, and I feel like Wally was my stepping stone from SpongeBob SquarePants to Buster Keaton. In fact, my girlfriend at the time bought me a by and large T-shirt. No way. Uh, which I wore pr- proudly for many years. Um, and I've w- watched this, rewatched this movie a few times, and I'm always just like so heartened by how mind blowing it still is. Visually, mm, it looks so good. so good. Rachel, you were like, "How oh is this God. movie animated?" Well, yeah, it's it. In some ways, I feel like animated movies have gone too far because I think that we have started to lose the animation aspect mm-hmm. because animation looks so realistic that we they don't they're just not animated anymore. Mm-hmm. To me, they just look too real. This was like on the line, mm-hmm. but then there's some things about it that are just like so silly that it's animated, yeah. you know? Uh, it's got a little bit of like a Monsters ink about it with yeah. like all the robots are like the monsters kind of. But yeah. yeah, it looked like in the very beginning when Wally's just collecting his items and like living in this, you know, back of this truck or whatever, it just looks so real. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, the storms and everything. Like, it's incredible what Pixar does. It's crazy how cute robots can be, too. Because, like, to me, I just, I never really would think of a robot as cute. (laughs) And both of these robots in both movies, I'm like, I love him. Yeah. I love Wally. And I love that Wally likes musical theater like me. (laughs) And he's just a garbage bot with a heart of gold. Yeah. Yeah. And a tin can hat. Yeah. So I would, my rating here is that this movie is good and not just nostalgia. Oh, for sure. hundred percent. No, this movie is all time. Great. One thing I did want to mention is that why, and we kind of talked about this when we were watching, which is like, so Eve, the Eve robots jobs are to inspect for life forms on Earth. Eve stands for Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator. And the cockroach, there is a cockroach that they're friends with, Mm -hmm. and the cockroach does not register on Eve's life form robot meter, and I do find that strange. Well, she's a vegetation evaluator. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that seems a little... Because I am like, if a cockroach is living, that's a living being, and that means that... Right, that there's at least a population of cockroaches that have existed for 800 years or whatever the timeline is. Yeah. Uh, Also, kind of like a fun... Like joke about the like urban myth of like after the world's over, it's just going to be cockroaches and Twinkies, and the cockroach yeah. like goes Eats into a Twinkie. Twinkie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love. I just loved it. Um, I mean, I thought like you know, obviously, it's commenting on society and specifically American society that yeah. humans are just consumers, made to eat, made to buy, made to buy, 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 mm-hmm. made to eat, made to. That's it. Like. Um, it made me curious about the writers and like what their political like leanings are or whatever. In some ways it feels ahead of its time. Like all the human characters that are living on the spaceship are attached to their screens, but the iPhone came out in 2007 and this is 2008. And so that felt a little bit kind of ahead of its time. People have been complaining about screens for like TV 80 years. That's true. Yeah, but it's like it's before FaceTime. It's before like the iPad, yeah. but 
I feel like I wrote down nature versus technology. Humans ruin the earth and planet from overconsumption and greed. It's a tale as old as time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just, again, just the incredible nonverbal storytelling, the 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 body, the, the way that a robot can like communicate with its body, even mm. though it's made of widgets. It's like you just love him and you think he's so sweet, even though he's a robot. It's just incredible. And a lot of that, again, is is the music as well. Like when they first introduce Eve as a character, they just show Wally being like really clumsy. And like that like shows like, oh, my God, like he's falling over his feet because he like has a crush. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just amazing. And I love how he gives her different things that he's collected to impress her. Mm -hmm. So he hands her like a spatula and like bubble wrap and (laughs) a boot. And it's just, it really is just so precious. One of my thoughts was about Eve. You know, I do feel like, so, so Wally represents like old technology because Mm. he's made of like sockets and, (laughs) and wheels and, and, and nails and widgets. Right. And then they introduce these new robots, Eve, and they really, to me, are like the Apple computer. They Actually, Eve's design was based off of the iPod. Oh, see? Yeah. I'm a genius. They had like an Apple consultant on. No way. To, to help like yeah, oversee the design. Yeah, very few buttons, right? Yeah. Like very few buttons, very few visible like <laughs> phone jacks or, yeah. or anything, which can be really annoying when you want to wear your goddamn <laughs> I, I, uh, headphones. <laughs> but um, I also think that like Eve, so obviously they're using the name Eve, Eve as an Adam and Eve. Right. They look like, now I was high when I was watching this movie, but like she looks like an egg. She is based off of an egg. An egg represents women, mm-hmm. female, birth, yeah. rebirth. Fertility. Fertility. Yeah, yeah. Eve. Boom. Yeah. I just blew this case wide open. <laughs> yeah. I think, Rachel, I think you've identified a lot of the thematic choices. I don't of know. The can you tell that characters. I studied film at I can Ithaca tell College? that you smoked some weed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was so fun. Um, before we get into our final game, I think that we should talk a little bit about the intersection between these two movies. Okay. Yeah. Well, when I was joking around before where there wasn't a lot of crossover, what I was referring to is that the director didn't realize he was redesigning Johnny Five. <laughs> he was like, okay, well, it's a Mars rover with a pair of binoculars. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've just done this so many times when I've been writing a song, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, these court and it goes to that court. Oh, this is yeah. great. And then it's like, this has hit me baby one more time. Right. You know what I mean? It like, what have I done? It shows you how it also happens so often that like standups, you know, get accused of like stealing a joke, but yeah. it's just like, well, this is kind of where our brains went because we live in the same world. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the intersection of the two movies seems to be pretty substantial this week <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the Gen Gap podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, some weeks we have a stretch for example, uh, the Karate Kid <laughs> meets Free, Free Willy, Willy. Yeah. right? Well, that was unintentional. But this week, we've got robot main characters. And I mean main characters, yeah. not sidekicks, right? The idea of like technology or a robot befriending nature or humanity or whatever. So like with Wally 
so with with short circuit, you know, J- Johnny Five or Number Five is is befriending human beings, right? Um, and in this movie, in the very beginning, he befriends a cockroach. Yeah, you know, and Wally's like whole thing is like they do end up inspiring humanity to get off of their hover chairs yeah. and stand up uh, for the first. I love that scene where all of the humans are watching the captain fight the like kind of like wheel robot auto um and they're all cheering for him for just standing up and like <laughs> trying to balance because like none of them have ever like stood Done up anything. before yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh and of course robots who start out as dangerous weapons <laughs> like oh, okay so many of these robots right like Eve is like a dangerous weapon. Yeah. She can blow people up if they just like make a noise. And so in the beginning, he's it terrified does feel like, of her. Why does this vegetation evaluator right. have this like cannon it's, capability? It, like it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I think it's a comment on humanity because it's like we act like we're out there searching for life, but also we're out there to blow shit up. Yeah, like what if something moves? Like, isn't that what you're looking for? Right. Like it's movement. Like, your whole job <laughs> is to go down there and just get information. Yeah. Like if you die, that's fine. And we'll repair you, you know. And then on short circuit, it's like all these robots were created. There's multiple number fives, obviously just number five out yeah. of men. And they're all created to be weapons. Um, so it's just robots are dangerous weapons. That's how how these movies yeah. start. Oh, and of course, Wally takes place in Astoria, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> That's pretty good. Before we close up this conversation, we have a fun game to play. Yeah, I like to call it the Turing test. Nice. Um, <laughs> Rachel and I have asked ChatGPT, um, our stand-in Denise for this episode, uh, to come Excuse up- me, <laughs> what did you just say? Oh, no, Denise Bot is here. Um, you cannot replace me. I have All right, a Rachel, union. will you unplug Robot Denise, please? Don't unplug me. That's the thing. Even Robot Denise is like- you're not even cordless? Like, what's going on? She still needs a lozenge. A lot of work. Okay. So uh, we asked ChatGPT to give us a trivia questions for each other's respective film. Uh, I think the best way to do this is like a lightning round, pun in, intended, because these questions are dirt simple. I think you got this in the bag, right? Are you ready for your Turing test for... Short circuit. Sure. And these questions were created for chat TBT. Yeah. There's one of them that I don't think is true. Yeah. I, I, the questions I asked chat GPT for one of them is definitely wrong. Okay, cool. cool, cool. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. What is the name of the robot protagonist in the film? Number five. Uh-huh. What is the number given to the robot in the military? Five. Yeah. Saint number five, it says. Who is the actor who is provides the voice for the robot? Uh it's a Pixar employee. No. <laughs> Tom Blaney, according to Chad GPT. What is the name of the animal? Oh, wait, sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about short circuits. We are talking yeah. about short circuits. Though here we go. What is the name of the animal that the robot befriends? Oh, like a porcupine or something? Uh, according to ChatGPT, the robot befriends a grasshopper named oh. Newton. Okay. Does that happen? 
I don't remember that. I think so. Remember there is a grasshopper at Stephanie's house and he like accidentally smashes it. God, that's just like Wally. All right. Which <laughs> character is responsible for creating the robot? Uh, um, Gutenberg's character, Crosby. That's correct. In which country does most of the story take place? America? Yep. Specifically <laughs> Oregon. Uh, what's the robot's catchphrase? Uh, Johnny, uh, number five alive or need input. Input, need input. <laughs> what is the robot's primary function in the military? Oh, um, disassemble, kill. Well, yeah, combat robot, it says. <laughs> and what is the name of the company that created the robot? Oh, it's like Nordic or Nova or something. Nova Robotics, I'm giving it to you. And what causes the robot to develop a sense of self-awareness? What? Nice, Rach. I think I'm giving you uh, eight out of ten for that. You didn't know that there was a grasshopper because maybe that doesn't exist. And Tom Blaney was the voice of the robot. All Pretty right. good. Eight out of ten. All right. Well, lucky for you, ChatGPT also created some questions for me to ask you about the movie Wally. Okay. I think they're like way too easy, but one is wrong. Uh, all right, so here we go. Okay. In the movie Wally, what is Wally's primary function? Uh, clean out trash. Yes, waste disposal. Yeah. What does Wally collect as a hobby? Uh, so many things. Um, lighters, trinkets, Rubik's Cubes, <laughs> old technology. Yeah, so this is the one that I would say is wrong. So it, it listed four choices, sunglasses, books, bottle caps, and Rubik's Cube, and it had a correct answer, but the correct answer is Rubik's. all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rubik's Cube is... I it's don't remember featured, the other things. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. All right. Which character befriends Wally and helps him on his journey? Eve. What does the acronym EVE stand for? Uh, I just said this. <laughs> I know. Extraterrestrial Vegetation Evaluator. Yes. Yeah. What is the name of the spaceship that humans inhabit in Wally? The Axiom. Which famous director provided the voice for the ship's computer auto? That's a really weird question. A famous director. <laughs> And the choices are, <laughs> let me read you the choices. Okay. Oh, yeah, I Steven didn't... Spielberg, uh -huh. Christopher Nolan, J.J. Abrams, or Sigourney Weaver. Oh. Famous director Sigourney what's Weaver. The, what's the question? Which, which person provided the voice for the ship's computer? The ship's computer. Well, that sounds like Otto, which is not Sigourney Weaver, but Sigourney Weaver is in it. So, it does yeah. say Otto. So this question was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guys, here's the thing with ChatGPT. You got to fact check ChatGPT because yeah. that shit is wrong. Yeah. What is the first thing Wally shows Eve on Earth? Uh, the film? No, a boot. Uh, That's who, not true. Who is the captain of Axiom? Um, he's played by Jeff Garland. Mm, incorrect. It's Captain McCree. What is the name <laughs> of the dance that Wally and Eve do in space? The name of the dance they do in space? <laughs> it's called... The Space Waltz. And what year what, what year was Wally released in 2008. theaters? Jeez. All right. That concludes the Wally trivia game. Let's check your answers and see how you did. I did not do well because a couple of those were BS. Well. Space Waltz. Chat GPT says otherwise. Thank you for teaching me about Wally. That was great. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Do this you feel was, like the gap has been bridged? I do think the gap has been bridged. I think that this these movies made me trust robots and Chat GPT made me not trust them again as we shouldn't
Yeah. I mean, yeah, look. In real life, don't trust your robots. No, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I love movies and books and TV about post-apocalyptic futures. I, as we know, I love time travel. But, like, you can't – there's so much wrong with letting robots take over. Uh, it makes me nervous. I agree. Rachel, just think of it, okay? Um, you know, just because your cell phone is selling all of your data to different companies to the highest bidder, think of it as a little Wally. Doesn't that make it better? <laughs> but here's the thing like, my favorite book, one of my favorite books is Player Piano. Mm-hmm. It's Kurt Vonnegut's first book or first novel. And it is about a society where machines, I mean, it was written in like the 50s, where machines have taken over all of the jobs for humans and all the humans feel existential crisis because they have no be nice. purpose anymore. And guys, this is happening right here. WGA is on strike. I stand with that. <laughs> okay, all well, right. <laughs> Goalposts keep moving here. Okay. Anyway, uh, before we go, the hat is floating near you. Whoa. whoa. What is that? That Well, it's a floating hat. Yeah, but just a floating hat. I know. It usually doesn't float. Here, let me take it down here. Oh, my God. It's the, the hat, hat of, of time. time. Okay. All right. I'm going <laughs> to reach into this hat. Oh, you are? Oh, no, no, you go ahead. No, I want you to reach. Okay. I'm reaching into the hat. (laughs) Oh, there were not. No. What? (laughs) What? Every time you reach into the hat, you go, whoa, people were paid poorly back. Women were paid poorly. There was a lot of racism. We get it. The old days. But it's a magical hat. I'm just saying computers (laughs) have come a long way. All right, here we go. Uh, This week, we're talking about our first Tamagotchi or Gigapet. (laughs) Our first? You only had one? You had multiple? Yeah. I feel like you should start. Okay. So I grew up in the greatest period of human history, the 1990s. Uh, Disagree. We had Tamagotchis. We had Gigapets. I had the Digimon equivalent. We had scanners. Do we have to explain what a Tamagotchi is? Yeah. Yeah. So a Tamagotchi <laughs> is a little digital pet. It basically is on like an egg-shaped piece of plastic, and you have three buttons, okay? I'm looking at a picture right now. And your little Tamagotchi grows over time, and you can feed it, and it poops, and you have to clean up after its poop. And all of this is like on like a four-bit little screen there's no color but my god did everyone have one of these did schools hate these Mm -hmm. uh they chirp like crazy until you realize you can mute it um but they are so cute i took mine i i remember a summer camp i went to where it was an art summer camp we made films we painted paintings i don't remember any of that all i remember is we met up at lunch every day and like hooked our Tamagotchis up to each other. (laughs) Played with robots. Yeah, we played with robots. (laughs) So how many Tamagotchis did you have? And do they have names? um, You know, you can name your one, but it's not like a Cabbage Patch doll or an American Girl doll or something where it has like a canonical name. Or Beanie Baby. Or a Beanie Baby. Um, As I learned in season one. Yeah. No, 
you know, I think you can just name your Tamagotchi. I also had like the Digimon equivalent one. Right. Um, Digimon for uh, those who don't know, including my co-host Rachel, <laughs> uh, was like the knockoff of Pokemon. There was Pokemon oh. and there was Digimon. And Digimon is like Digimon, digital monsters. Digimon have more power. Um, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go, everybody go get Pokemon Go. <laughs> the thing is, Pokemon Go came out in 2016, Rachel. Pokemon. You always like reference Pokemon <laughs> Go to me like that's nostalgic, but like it, it kind of is for that one summer that yo, we were both around it's for. Just the, it's the only before we did the podcast. It was the only thing I knew about Pokemon. But you don't know anything about Pokemon. You just know the word Pokemon Go. So anyway, we had a Digimon Tamagotchi, and you could like hook them up, and they could battle, and they could do all the stuff. So, um, and years later, I would also get another Tamagotchi just because they're cute. And literally today at work, no, I I'm a buyer for a retail store, and I saw that one of the companies that we buy from was introducing basically a Tamagotchi, but instead of it being on a little LED screen, it was like, you know how they have like certain alarm clocks or whatever, where they like project the light Mm. like in. And so they're like, Oh, so you can touch, touch it. And I'm like, what you can touch. It's like a hologram. Yeah. It's like a hologram. Is it a Tamagotchi hologram? Yeah. 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 Weird. Yeah. Huh? I think they're called, uh, bitsy. Bitsies. That's cute. Yeah. I almost bought some. I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. I do remember the Tamagotchi. Like, I just looked up a picture and I'm like, oh, big time. Because one of the things that's most reminiscent for me about this is the tiny little chain that it's on. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like another Japanese thing where it's like, oh, it's cute. And you like hook it onto your bag. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um. I never had one, but and like actually now that I'm looking it up, it looks like it came out in like '96, '97, and I was like a senior in high school slash like going into college in '97. So you hated Joy? That was a little weird. No, I was busy doing theater. No, but I do remember these. Like I, but for some reason, it's making me think of when. I had to like watch over an egg for health class and like, I don't know why. So Rachel, like you, you, you were in the eighties. What do you have like a pet (laughs) rock or something? Shut up. Did you have a pet rock? No, I had a fish named Goldie. A real fish? Yeah. 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 But you can't take a fish for a walk. I had like a digital dog too. You never had any digital pets? That's a ridiculous sentence. A pet should be cuddled I had and loved. Pokemon, Digimon, Neopets, Tamagotchi, the <laughs> that dog, that robot dog I had. What do you think this tells us like about millennials? Like what do you think that like something about having digital like companionship did something to millennials that caused them to pay for ten dollars for avocado toast or like what's the yeah. connection yeah nice job um <laughs> I, the I learned, sun I learned, or whatever yeah, british tabloid you are coming at me with these millennial hot takes why can't you afford a house no but like what yeah what do you think do you think there was something with digital companionship yeah well i can only get hard if i look at a tamagotchi <laughs> okay we did it today people uh look thank you so much for joining 
as always. And before before we go, I do think I want to ask a question, which is, who's Johnny? Anyway, uh, babe, I love you. Love you. Thanks for exploring robots with me this week. Yeah, it was a very educational week. It was so super dupes educational. Guys, I hope you've been enjoying season two of the podcast. We're having a lot of fun making it. Uh, and we just, yeah, let us know if there's any topics that we're not covering that you want us to cover. And maybe we'll do it in about five years. That that's sounds how long good. It yeah, takes about five years. To record these episodes. Yeah, hit it with the guitar. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sam and Rachel Comedy. And if you like the show, please rate us highly on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Sam and Rachel's Generation Gap is produced by Sam DeRose and Rachel Rosenthal with editing from Jack Barton. Our music is by Douglas Wydick and Sweet Tea Studios. Our artwork is by Aaron Maybe Designs. And the snuggles are provided by Rosie DeGalga. Galga.